Thank you, Bishop Mathis, for inviting me to be with you here on your community celebration of Veterans Day. I've been in the Navy for 23 years. My father was in the Army. He was born in 1912. Uh, as a little boy, he knew the original date of November 11th is Armistice Day, and then he served in World War II. My son is a Marine. Uh, we don't have any Airedales, so sorry for the Air Force. Now, it's a day, you know, of, it's not Memorial Day. It's more a day of, uh, you're going to throw that over there. Thanks. Good catch. Wow. You got to throw out the first pitch once, didn't you? Yeah, there you go. All right, so it's a day when we, we remember this kind of odd balance between the civic society and, and the, the church wanting to recognize members of society who are kind of in both worlds. And as a chaplain, you know, I'm a person of the cloth who wears the cloth of the nation. But I note also that it's often a time of inter-service rivalry. There's never any inter-service rivalry. But let me just start by telling you a story that I heard, oh, way 20 years or more ago by someone. It turns out there were four recruiters who wished to go to a high school to talk about joining the military. There was an army, there was a navy, there was an air force, and there was a marine. And the school guidance counselor said, you can each have 10 minutes and 10 minutes only. So there'd be 40 minutes. Well, the Army guy gets up there, and he talks about, you know, Army strong, being an Army of one, and all the great educational benefits that you can get if one joins the United States Army. And he talked for 14 minutes. Then it was the Air Force's turn. And the Air Force said, you know, aim high. We have all the technical stuff. You don't, you're not smart enough to join the Air Force, right? You've got to score really well on your exams to join the Air Force. And the Air Force person talked for about 12 minutes on all the things that one gets when one joins the Air Force. And then it was the Navy's turn. And what do we have to sell? We have to sell adventure. Join the Navy. See the world. Although I know from experience that it's very much like that Irving Berlin song. I joined the Navy to see the world. And what did I see? I saw the sea. <laughs> I saw the Atlantic and the Pacific. And, the, and it goes on and on and on. I won't inflict my voice upon you anymore. And he talked for almost 15 minutes. So now there's almost no time left. And the Marine is sitting there in that marvelous Marine dress uniform. Any Marines here? Hurrah! It's your birthday tomorrow, Marine. Happy birthday. A Marine got up there and the guidance counselor said, you know, I'm sorry, we just don't have any time. And the Marine said, all I need is about 12 seconds. The Marine got up there on stage, stood there at attention and said, I don't think even one of you has what it takes to be a United States Marine. <laughs> but, in the odd occurrence that maybe one of you does, come and talk to me. <laughs> and he marched off the stage. Well, brothers and sisters in Christ, at the end of that time, guess whose table was mobbed? It was not 
the ones providing educational benefits. It was not those who would, you know, aim high. It was not even those who'd show you the world. But it was that Marine. Now, I heard that story a long time ago, but that sense of challenge, that sense of defiance has always stayed with me. God help me, I told that story to my son, and now he's an infantryman. <laughs> he could have, he had the scores. He could have been a nuke. He could have been in the Air Force. Like, Dad, I'm going to be a Marine. And now he is. He's an infantryman in 2-5. But that sense of challenge is something that, that we respond to, I hope. It sings to you. You laughed. I saw your faces. That you saw that there was something going on in that challenge, that defiance of faith that is captured by that. Nine of my 23 years with the Navy have been with the Marine Corps. There was once a poster that said, if you were accused of being a Marine, would there be enough evidence to convict? And I've often thought about that in terms of our own faith. The letter from Romans talks about giving an account. And how do we give an account for what we do with our lives? Now, I stand here before you for a number of reasons. One's invitation, too, is, is I'm always looking for new talent to help us out. Someone asked me once, how can I help support the military? My answer, enlist. We need Navy chaplains, so there is that. But moreover than that, we need a church that is engaged in the formation of its people so that we can have folks who can live in those two worlds and live faithfully in those two worlds. One of the reasons I joined the military was because of Professor Tim Sedgwick's ethics class. Anybody had one of those? <laughs> yeah? All right. Most challenging class I had in seminary. And I loved it so much that I did an independent study with him my senior year. I wanted to understand faith and force. I wanted to understand the coercive nature of violence and how it might be lived into faithfully by those the society and the community and the church asked to stand on the borderlands, to, to be like the white blood cells of your body, to provide you know, an integrity to it and the way that it might be done faithfully and how to engage with our heritage, how to engage with scripture, how to engage with our, our tradition, how to engage our human reason in this crucible world where life and death issues are right in your face. The Bible gives us the very first uh, discussion of discreet and proportionate violence in the book of Genesis. There's these two towns that are misbehaving. And we, we see a conversation between Abraham and God, and it unfolds in, in such a way that God, having to give an account to Abraham about how discreet and proportionate force is used. We see that conversation not take place later on in the Bible. We see other ways of trying to attend to this. And that's the question that I throw to you 
as the leaders of the church, as those who form the leaders of the church, as those who particularly guard and guide the innocent. How do we do that faithfully? How do we help form folks? How do we attend to that very real standing in two cities, as Augustine would say, and embrace that ambiguity? For it is a peculiar world, especially for me as a non-combatant who goes in there with only my faith um, in the crucible of combat. So as you continue your seminary journey, ponder that. Some of you are veterans, some of you will encounter veterans, some of you have folks who have been parts of your lives who are veterans. Some of you know first responders, some of you know all those, those things. But we have to be the community of moral discourse as the community so that it is not left dumped upon the individual soul to try and figure this out by themselves because that burden is very heavy. And I am privileged uh, to walk alongside those who struggle with it without the benefit of what y'all have to offer. So thank you for your time this evening. Ponder that in the rest of your faith journey and God bless you in that holy work.